Hello everyone. Welcome to Mind Radius, the podcast where we explore the thought process behind creative projects and the people behind it. Tune in every week on anchor.fm with your host Sachi. Hello everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Arkam Asar and he is the chief trainer at Archaeology Training and Consultancy. and they specialize in creating engaging and effective learning experiences so arkam is here today to discuss his creative journey so far in the industry of learning and development and some of the thought process behind it let's welcome arkam to the podcast hello arkam welcome to the show hi hi sachi thank you thank you very much for having me here it's a great pleasure to be joining you on this it's so nice to have you as well so let's give a little bit of an introduction of yourself uh, what do you do well uh, my company is called archaeology training and consultancy and uh, over the last seven and a half years we've been specializing in curating and personalizing learning experiences for organizations and now for individuals as well um, so what what we exactly do is mostly related to soft skills or essential business skills and um, the general practice used to be like you know you have uh, a particular set of modules that you cover as a, you know customer service training or a communication skills training and then you have this standard product that you go and sell out to uh, all different corporates and uh, people who are looking for these learning uh, and development solutions so what we do is we look at the specific learning needs that exist uh, in people or organizations and then we curate the entire a learning experience to make sure that those learning needs are met in a nutshell that's kind of what we do all right that's uh, interesting because uh, rather than uh, providing a standard uh, you know standard issue uh, training program you kind of go and uh, you know make sure that everyone gets what they actually want right absolutely absolutely because uh, the, the reason behind that was such like if personally for me my life started off you know in a, in a corporate career as well and uh, one of the turning points was when i worked as the brand strategist for one of the leading ad agencies which is known as leo burnett solutions we are big they are globally present in around i think now around 100 100 plus countries and um, what happened was that learning within the marketing and communications uh, you know agencies was very different and i started experiencing a very different angle of learning and on another side the job itself uh, which was marketing communications related uh, you know involved a lot of creative work where we were trying to communicate things very differently to various different audiences now uh, for me who was someone who was not the smartest kid in the class um, you know i kept thinking uh, you know maybe there are lessons that we could learn from how marketing communications tries to communicate with different audiences and then see how we can kind of uh, play that into the the conventional education system and that's kind of where i found a synergy okay so speaking about uh, like you know these training programs and everything right what kind of uh, like areas would you like to highlight maybe like uh, is it like of course like you mentioned like on a briefly like you know these are the main things you do but if you want to highlight one of the key, few things that you are doing uh, you know in your profession yeah so some of the uh, 
you know unique programs that we really do is uh, one is the the customer service uh, training that we conduct which involves a major you know uh, service mapping process and then understanding the different service levels that need to exist at each con- consumer touch point right and it goes into the depth of those things and the other is we have a very interesting program even in terms of sales where we approach the entire selling process from the buyer's perspective because end of the day today's world if you still think that a seller's job is to be really selling uh, i think we are missing out on a lot whereas the seller's role kind of in today's economy has changed to a massive sense of understanding buyer behavior and supporting that buying process and adding value to that buying process so we we have a very different perspective that we use in terms of that as well so a sales the sales and uh, customer service training is our two different project and apart from that we also uh, we understand that in a lot of companies still you know the importance of creativity isn't highlighted much but we have a splendid program in terms of creativity and innovation uh, where we where we use a very step by step skill because you know if you ask a lot of professionals today that whether you're creative people start freaking out like if they're like oh my god now they want to ask me to think out of the box and you know where is this box how do i get out of it and all that right um but um, the truth is that it's a skill that we all have like in, inherently i think we are all creative because you know uh, it simply is visible in how you wake up and dress every day and how you express yourself and um, you know uh, which proves that we are all different but the only issue is i think uh, different people we get uh, we don't get the opportunity to actually exercise our creative capacity on a daily basis so we have a program curated on that aspect as well where we share with professionals how they can practice creativity at simple levels and the benefit of what this program is going to do is that it's going to transcend into the organization and then you know definitely affect organizational decision making in terms of creative and innovative solutions coming out of the company so that's another session that is uh, that is the, that is one of our you know very popular and most sought after products and there are a few more that i can go on if you'd like to i can explain a couple of them as well but if not we can capture them you know later during the discussion i think let's uh, capture it a bit later in the discussion but then uh, that's a like really interesting program you mentioned about creativity right you know when you hear about trainings right it's like okay you train on languages like you know how to speak to people or how to do a coding uh, you know program or something like that right but it's not uh, every day you hear about like a creativity program i know like uh, you know team development and team building programs are there but then uh, yeah this is a interesting path okay let's uh, t- touch upon it like uh, in a bit we'll get into a bit of a different question uh, in that case right you know speaking about all these creative aspects you know share us uh, like how did you get started yeah that's that's a that's a very good question sachi you know even i try to figure out where all this really started you know sometimes uh, in retrospect to understand the thing is that to begin with i think uh, you know i was not some guy who fit into the, the you know the usual mod, you know the 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 mold of a you know person who follows a you know straight line or you know a person who follows kind of a linear career path so from my small days i was very experimental you know you, you know you go to another house you first expect the child to go and sit on a chair and you know sit with the parents and all that it doesn't matter even if i'm there for the first time since my childhood my parents my cousins they still tell me that 
my job is I we go to the house, I say hello, and I go straight to the backyard because I know that that's usually where the animals are kept, right? Because I used to be a huge animal fan and outdoor person. So that kind of, uh, you know, that I think from the beginning, I was kind of a very adventurous soul that wanted to try different things and see things differently. Um, and then came the time in my education in school, I, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a guy who was going to get three A's and eight or eight A's in O levels and three A's in A levels. No, that wasn't. But um, I had a lot of teachers who really believed in me. And uh, even in my autographs, you know, where they sign saying that, you know, you have a lot of potential, you need to really, uh, you know, uh, look for, you know, what, what's going to work for you. Don't bother too much about what other people are trying to tell to put you down. Because in school, I had a lot of criticism because I was not in class for a lot of times. I was usually at some sports room or I was doing something like that. And that, that was kind of how this whole experience in school went. And then when I stepped into work, uh, I started off in the insurance industry, right? And I was selling medical insurance. And from there, it led me into the gym and jewelry industry where one of my clients spotted me and he wanted me to come work with them and help them develop their gem and jewelry business to an international level where I took over as business development executive. And while I was there, I was still at the Sri Lankan Institute of Marketing where I got most of my education on marketing and stuff. And then a splendid opportunity came through through one of the social uh, uh, organizations that I was a part of. You might have heard of Rotaract. So through Rotaract, I saw this advertisement which had come for an opportunity at Leo Burnett as a brand strategist. And that's when I applied. And I think that is exactly like I mentioned before as well, which kind of really opened my eyes towards the power of marketing, the power of marketing communications and how much, you know, um, we could simply do using this, uh, you know, the, the power of communications itself. and. Um, it was a very creative industry, as you know, and uh, because I was working with so many great creative people, um, I think that started tickling me to not want to do things in the most usual ways and want pushed me to want to explore different avenues of work. And uh, there was a point in advertising where I kind of thought, you know, if I continue doing this for the rest of my life, like, like you know, I'll have to be listening to what brands want to do instead of what I actually want to do, right? And um, at that same time, I was also lecturing for a small, uh, you know, institute in Colombo where I was lecturing for a certificate course in marketing. And I wasn't really enjoying this whole uh, curriculum-based education method either. And uh, kind of all those, so it's very difficult to pinpoint for me also and say like, this is where it happened. But I think, uh, you know, generally a journey of creativity, it's kind of that, cocktail you know where it's a mixture of all these things that kind of come together at some point and it made me feel that you know probably education and uh, creating this uh, link between innovative uh, uh, communication uh, tools that get used in delivering learning and making it more interesting and engaging is a space that was uh, not being looked at much in Sri Lanka and I thought that that might be the area to step in that's basically how I got into it. All right. That's a really interesting story there. And, uh, you know, I mean, like, I understand, like, your point there saying, like, you, you don't, like, go and, you know, start something uh, all of a sudden, right? It comes with experience and then uh, what you go through in life as well, right? Then all 
you know at one point everything will kind of come together you know and you know you will have a really nice idea of you know starting this thing and that's an interesting start as well right okay let's jump into a, like a little bit of a different question right so what kind of uh, tools and methods do you use uh, in your profession or maybe on a daily basis or like you know if in your case maybe it's on a program wise basis right okay so um tools so when when we say tools now one of the things that we definitely do constantly kind of be updated with what type of learning needs exist at organizational levels is that we generally have like we use survey monkey or something like that to conduct kind of a needs analysis surveys right as learning and development professionals see what type of needs really exist within organizations and uh, so that really helps us kind of design what the programs we need to be building for the future should include right so if we look at the recent uh, past now uh, because we were doing a lot of stuff on sales a lot of the feedback has been about trying to coach and train people on virtual selling right and social selling so how do you use social media and uh, virtual platforms to sell because everyone is on a lockdown um, clients are using whatsapp uh, they are using uh, zoom Uh, and sales people should be looking at ideally scheduling their you know discussions with their clients on one of these platforms but then the question is you know how do you do it in a professional way do you uh, do you dress up in a professional way how do you okay, so do those type of insights we kind of gather um, what needs are existing and this is sometimes this is an example of the feedback that we receive so that's one tool that we use right and another tool is because most of the programs we deliver are delivered online right now we use zoom then we use webex sometimes then for some others we streamyard so these are some tools in terms of delivering the session itself and then you know to bring some fun into this uh, kahoot has been something that we can use for some games there's a platform called kahoot which is an interesting uh, platform where you can create like virtual games for q and a's and stuff like that Kahoot is one platform, and a lot of the other stuff actually, Sachi, they are tools that we have been creating by ourselves. So I know that a lot of trainers and uh, you know these uh, coaches or educators have been having massive challenges. A lot of them don't like virtual, right? And uh, I will agree with them. I used to be someone who was addicted to the physical experience of learning and development, but inevitably, I think uh, it's beyond our control now. that we have to adapt to this uh, kind of new normal that is uh, surrounding us and if we are going to fail to adapt and adjust to this uh, we will just be a bunch of the ones that get left beyond uh, left behind because uh, uh, this is i think you know a natural process where things change and evolve and i think for industries like the one that we work in we we love i still love to you know do programs in a physical environment but uh, you know it's always not how we like it um, so when doing programs virtually what we've tried to do because like i mentioned like our speciality is about creating innovative and engaging learning experiences what we've tried to do a lot is such try to make the experience that we create on a virtual platform as engaging and interactive as possible right and meaningful in a way that it uh, you know is relative to the learning content that is being delivered because now sometimes i have seen some training programs you know 
for the sake of trying to do something engaging you know you can't tell people to make faces on the screen and you know yes it might be fun it might kind of ease the moment but whether it's you know relative to the learning experience that's being delivered is a very questionable aspect so what i would say is as a you know certified and professional trainer that the objective is not to just create some action that they do on the screen but make sure that maybe those acts or performances or whatever you make them do is relative to the learn the the content or learning that's being delivered and so for that we have created various different tools um that we use so you could do, use role plays there you could get people to come with something we call preparation kits which would be uh, material that we would use through the program as we deliver the content so stuff like that is what we've been doing those are some of the tools that i think i could share yeah i understand so that's uh, that that's like a really good idea as well what you shared because i know like even like i did some lecturing as well right so the thing is i know like there's there's some energy in it when you actually there right you feel the like energy of the room and then you know you kind of everyone is engaging with you directly and everything right but that's that's a bit limited when you are behind a screen right but then uh, of course like if you create something new and then you know try to adapt to this then you can actually create something engaging as well right exactly exactly and a part of something stuff i do is also lecturing and uh, that's another thing that we are focusing we are trying to see uh, how you know even content that is for lecturing can be made interesting because a lot of lecturers are complaining that while the zoom class the fellows are sleeping on the other side no one is actually in the class right and all these type of challenges are things that people are having as well yeah it's a bit of a new challenges as well right yeah there are new challenges and you can't you see for me i say you can't blame the learner right it is the it is the duty of the the, the person who is delivering the learning to make sure that the learner wants to learn right or the learner is interested to learn well yes if the learner doesn't have a need to learn you can't go and force him to learn but what i'm saying is that the necessity for the uh, person to be in this uh, whole learning experience is um, essentially the responsibility of the person delivering the, the, the learning content and one experience that i could share on that regard is that uh, i lecture for strategic marketing and strategic leadership for a couple of british university programs that are delivered in sri lanka so one of these sessions when i was first conducting the first lecture there were uh, there were around uh, 11 students who were supposed to attend this lecture this session so i was also thinking okay because it was around 9 9:30 in the morning it was sunday morning and all that and uh, they came and then there was one chap who came to the session he sat through the whole session and then he messaged me after the session saying uh, thank you very much sir. i think because uh, he was thanking me for the way of how it was delivered and his whole point was i was planning to come on to the session put my face and uh, once you knew that i was there i was thinking to switch off the camera and sleep because i was at a party the previous night i got home only at 4 a right but he was like the way how things went and how you delivered the whole session i didn't want to miss out on it and i didn't want to sleep because it was interesting it was engaging there were so many activities and we were the activities were how we were learning through and i wanted to make sure that i was part of it and i end, ended up staying for the three and a half four hours that the session went on for i was getting my kids to pour coffee for me as thick as possible and bring it and uh, i i stayed awake and after that i had a good nap for around 5 6 hours so uh, like that was a personal experience that i had 
And then I was thinking like, you know, it actually makes sense. The effort I take or the effort we take in terms of trying to make this interesting, it actually impacts people. And that's what I enjoy about uh, what I do in this. It is right. So that's uh, that's a really good uh, thing there because like, you know, if if they are, if 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 the feedback you are getting is like that, that means like you are doing it, uh, you know, in the correct way, right? You're doing it in the like really engaging way. It's really good because not all of the people who deliver trainings online, uh, you know, that engage in to be honest. That's something like actually I think like everyone needs to kind of adapt to it as well, right? In 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 that if you think about it because everyone is like used to the like physical aspect of it. and this is a different uh, kind of a challenge it's an interesting approach as well so speaking about approaches right so i i think you touched upon this as well but then uh, let's kind of summarize it like when uh, when you say like how do you approach a new project or like you know a new program in your case yeah so there are two ways of how we go about this uh, question uh, sachi because one is that uh, depending on the client requirement right and the other angle to it is like i mentioned where we do the surveys and we understand what needs exist and we kind of uh, create a proactive work right so proactive products which we plan that we that would be in demand right uh, so let me first explain how we work on with, when we approach clients itself the general practice is that uh, you have companies that have a training calendar right and uh, then on an annual basis they invite um, training companies to pitch for being part of their training calendar so then we send them kind of a proposal that includes the programs that we conduct uh, the deliverables what uh, what is met in that and all that and based on that if your if your proposal is getting shortlisted then you probably get a response saying hey these these programs of your organization we would like to include to our training calendar send us a quotation based on that right then depending on that we send the quote based before the program is conducted we at archaeology we go and make sure that we sit with them we have a discussion we understand exactly what the learning needs are in certain aspects such as you know we go to the extent like i for certain companies i have told them look now the issue is this the issue is that they want to improve people's productivity and communication internally right the so the problems that they were facing were that some of them are not treating others properly uh, and the other thing is that they are just hanging on social media or they are phones and they are not really focusing on work right now the problem is that i can come there and i can spend not two not three i can spend months trying to teach them what they need to do right but that might not solve the problem if i don't understand what is influencing the kind of behavior that they have so one of the things that is in a in at the center of the programs that we design is such the behavior change that you want to see the behavior attitude or culture kind of shift that you want to see so based on that is there be reverse engineer the entire program that has to be designed we have gone to the extent of sending our employees so with their management's approval we send one of our people go as an intern or as a short time person so uh, there was one instance where the person went in just as a person who has come to assist with some office work right spent 3 to 4 days right and his entire job is intelligence business intelligence and looking at where the core of the problem exists so this is not some some boy who is just sitting at home that is in so this is someone who understands what's going on but is playing a role right in the company to understand where this problem exists 
Now, sometimes the entire issue might not be about trying to teach these guys all that. The entire issue might lie in a leadership problem where there is a leader who is too much, too people oriented and not task oriented. That people know that no matter what they do, he is not going to come and pressure me to get my work done. Now, no matter how much you would train these people in terms of productivity, improving productivity, improving their internal communication and all that, unless there is a change in that uh, leadership style of how the leadership is conducted, it's not going to create a change in the people's behavior here. Right? So then based on that, so we go, what I'm trying to say is that with clients, we sometimes go into that depth of understanding the problem and then creating the program once they have selected us as an organization to work. So that is the client aspect of how we conduct projects. That's one angle of how things are done. The other, like I mentioned, is that we conduct general uh, need analysis uh, surveys with different companies um, that we have worked with or that we look to work with. And based on their feedback, we design these programs, like I mentioned, like the virtual selling um, the social selling program that we have done now. We are also doing specific programs on virtual presentation and communication skills because, you know, now most of the business presentations are happening over Zoom, right? Before you might have the freedom, you could be a great, you know, uh, performer that you go stand and you deliver this stunning mm -hmm. presentation and your uh, clients are stunned by your entire performance. Now you have a square screen which has a limited space through which you need to deliver your presentation. And depending on the tool you might use, sometimes you can be throwing your hands and your legs all over the place, but they will only be seeing a screen. So uh, how are you going to play? What is the tool you're going to use? If you're using this tool, what are the techniques you're going to use to make sure that the client is engaged on the presentation that you're delivering? Right. So uh, looking at aspects like that, the second way of how we approach our work is through proactive product designing and uh, then basically sharing them with clients and working with people who are interested in buying them. So those are the two approaches that we take. Okay, that's uh, really nice. And then uh, it's some interesting uh, story you mentioned there, right? Not story, I believe the approach, uh, that is a correct term. But then, uh, you know, actually like going into that level to go and actually understand the problem and then create a like an actual solution rather than giving something generic and then, you know, just calling it a day, right? That's something really uh, commendable because I don't think like everyone does something like that, right? To go into that level, which is really nice. Through that, through that. You see, Sachi, so uh, that is the approach we use, right? And I told you a brief, brief about how the industry generally operates. But, uh, you know, there is always theory and there is practice, no? right? So then most of the time, it is someone in the company knows someone who can do something related to this topic and uh, you know there are different uh, above the table under the table all these kind of uh, you know uh, how transactions happen and stuff like that and that's how projects get uh, approved and delivered and in a lot of cases you know for many organizations the biggest problem that i have seen is that training isn't looked at as a strategic tool but i very strongly believe that it needs to be one of the most important strategic tools that organizations use because it's going to shape the culture and the people of the organization. Learning and development is what supposed to do that, right? But uh, in a lot of cases, it's merely a tick of the box to say that, okay, 
customer service done, communication skills done, Excel done, PowerPoint done, presentation skills done, 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 done. A training budget is busted. Everything is good. Now next year we can approve a bigger budget, right? Or it's merely about, uh, you know, uh, what is the venue we are going to do it? Uh, you know, how flashy are the people who conduct the program going to be? So it's never based on productivity or efficiency. It's mostly based on a lot of other kind of metrics, which aren't really the ones that would be the metrics necessary to be used in terms of measuring whether the training is effective or efficiently delivered. I think that's a good way to summarize the actual, I mean, the reality around it, right? Speaking about all these challenges, right? Let's jump into a bit of a different question. So this is an optional one, right? Like I mentioned, you can choose, uh, you know, to answer on a high level. So how did your friends and family uh, support you during the startup or initial stages of your career? Very good. Very, very interesting question again, right? I tell my friend about this and I tell my, uh, I tell him that it's not that I, uh, I say this to, to, you know, uh, to discourage him or to kind of uh, dishonor him, but it's a very interesting thing. But I, like I told you, when I started all this, it was a combination of massive passion and, uh, you know, desire to do this. And you know, like I said, it was a cocktail of different things that I felt that can come together. Right. And in the process, uh, so when I started off with this, what happened was that my, uh, so my parents always kept saying that, you know, why, why are you so determined to try to do all these, you know, crazy things? You have a good qualification in marketing. You have good skills. Why don't you go abroad? There are great opportunities in Dubai, in Kuwait, in Qatar. There's very good paid jobs. Go for something like that. Be normal, right? That was a specific word that was used that why don't you want to be like, be normal, right? And but uh, you know every time that was said like you know I for me it was like triggering me saying that ah okay so that's kind of what I want to be not normal right and I think it's working so that was one was one side of it then from my friend's side it was very interesting because so the first time when I conducted this training it was so the entire program was titled passionists right and I was still at Leo Burnett so I got one of my creative director friends uh, I remember it was Danushka and Chaturanga two great creative souls as well from Leo Bane. So they helped me with putting up during their free time. They made me a little flyer and all and gave. And I advertised 500 rupees per head uh, conducted at the Royal Union Skills Center. Now, I have no idea how this goes, right? So it's it's completely experimental for me. And uh, I advertised, I shared two people. So in total, we go there and around eight people turn up, right, for the session. And so in total, we had around 12, but that was 12 because five others were my friends who basically came to help me because like, you know, I had bought shortage for around 30 people, some refreshments for 30 people, right? I'm in my bubble, right? About how all this is going to go. And I turn up there. And so there's eight people. Now I'm, you know, you know, not so, uh, you know, confident, happy with them. But still, you know, for me, I'm, uh, I'm not really feeling, but my, my, for my friends, they were already feeling like, why is this dude doing this to himself? Like, you know, he has a kind of a standard that he can maintain, people respecting for what he's doing and all that. So uh, I said, no, no problem. Even if it's five people, I'm going to go in and I'm going to do the session, right? And um, there are a few people who were from different schools, some some guys who were from the University of Colombo, University of Calania and all that. So uh, we go through the session and at the end of the session, people who were at the session, they loved it. 
So the entire program was focused on kind of inspiring people to make sure that they follow their passion, right? And to uh, providing a little framework of how you could try to find your passion, right? So at the middle of the session, now I give a break to come out to serve, uh, to, to distribute some refreshments, right? And I am coming out. So out of the five friends who came with me, a couple of them are sitting on the table eating the bun and um, the, the, the shortage of the buns that we brought, bought and uh, were telling me, uh, so in single, he said, me mahansi so the literally in English, what they meant was, dude, you have a good job, right? You're paid well. You can just, you know, uh, continue doing what you're doing and stop struggling like this. It'll be, you know, nothing, nothing's going to change much about this, right? And, um, but for me, you know, uh, it was not like, you know, one of these uh, movie moments where I say like, ask who you guys know, I'll prove you wrong or anything like that. But that kind of was a uh, was a factor that really motivated me to still want to prove myself, right? And um, the good thing about it was that it didn't stop me there. And I continued doing sessions. And then I started doing a few other workshops for different organizations. Things, one became two, two became three, word got out. I mean, uh, today we are one of the companies in Sri Lanka that have trained multinationals like Pizza Hut, uh, HP, then you take Sony International from the Singapore office, by the way. So we worked directly with the Singapore office and conducted the program with the Sony team in Sri Lanka. Uh, we worked with, you know, uh, different uh, mobile phone service or mobile operators, like people who are currently operating Alcatel, right? Um, they had different brands that they were working with. Um, SAP's uh, integration team in Sri Lanka, big brands in Sri Lanka, local brands like No Limit, and, you know, dine more in the food industry and many other names to mention that, you know, right now are not even popping up in my head, but big brands that we have worked with, it all happened. But, uh, you know, if I chose to take the uh, weight and the shame that I felt, or it was not really shame, but, you know, the uh, it was not the expected level of success, I would say. If I would have chosen to let that weight pull me down, I don't think I would have got this today. And, uh, you know, thankfully today that has given us the strength to step into a massive market like Russia and uh, look at avenues of establishing ourselves here as well. And uh, that's where the journey has brought us to and that's where I am at now. So it all started with that, uh, that little step of uh, not failure, but uh, less than expected achievement. Oh man, that's a really interesting story because I mean, like, of course, like, if you said no to that, right, you would be doing an average job most of the day, most probably, right? So, in that case, like, yeah, yeah, you know, you had to, and the other thing is, of course, no matter how challenging it seems, you had to take your step forward and then, you know, you know, go somewhere a bit, uh, what do you call this, out of your comfort zone, right? And then only you will actually. Definitely, definitely. It's a really inspiring story as well. Thank you for sharing that. So I think like this is a bit of a like another question, another optional question, but then uh, it's kind of attached to the previous one as well. So did you dream about your current job or was it a very different dream you had? Well, uh, it's like this, like I think um, serving, like serving people, being of being a person of service has been something that I always was because um, even 
like i said as a child because i used to be very social running around outdoors person um my my uh, my neighbors in our mahage so i'm originally from kandy my hometown is kandy and uh, the people in our neighborhood uh, they all so they are all shocked to sometimes see me now when you know because they all remember me as a really small kid who was running about in the neighborhood but i used they they say you know when you were small you used to early morning so i used to get dressed uh, you know uh, change by myself have a wash and all that and i used to do visiting rounds just to go and check everyone in the neighborhood how is everyone is everyone so i'm talking of when i was 5 6 right uh, maybe 8 years old and um, and now i try to look back at those experiences and think that like you know maybe it was they are like you know that that sense of uh, wanting to serve wanting to uh, be able to support people in what they do was probably something that was always there but i never dreamed like there wasn't a point like in my like that i really dreamt of becoming a uh, trainer or educator itself um but i've always wanted to be a person of impact a person who can you know reach out to and support people and i think in different ways in whatever i do i always try to make sure that uh, the work i do is of service to people and humanity okay so speaking about all your like uh, experience so far right what kind of challenges have you faced uh, you know so far in your career okay so uh, challenges so number one uh, the biggest challenge that i face so i would say like you know it's very easy to say there are different external factors that are challenges but let me start with actually saying uh, that the biggest challenge that i've had was myself right uh, why uh, because you know what starts happening sometimes is sachi like uh, when you start pursuing this journey of doing something of your own right and then it starts reaping benefit you start settling into this very comfortable position uh, that you don't need to change much anymore right and as a result especially with archaeology there was this space of around 2 years right um, where i actually talk to in a way like the essence of what we were doing was not going on so projects were coming we were taking them up you know we were going conducting the programs coming back and the, the heart of the work was not being done and i think one of the biggest challenges any entrepreneur faces is that i think the right word is complacency right uh, that you get complacent and then you you kind of um, uh, don't really work on the project as much as you should right uh, because you kind of take things for granted so that was one of the biggest challenges that i faced that i was sometimes being lazy or rather laid back in being able to push my own work forward at the level that it could have been uh, done so that was one challenge so how i overcame that was basically because my partner and uh, wife basically juliana my partner is a massive role in all these things because uh, you know after we met is when i actually registered archaeology as a company till then it was kind of me running around and doing different training programs for different organizations and companies so what i was trying to say is that one thing that uh, we really started doing is uh, kind of projecting you know what we want to be achieving kind of drawing a vision board uh, drawing you know the goals that we want to achieve within a particular time and how we want to go about with it what is what do we want to do uh, within the next 3 years and then kind of repeatedly doing that that is to overcome the 
challenge, uh, you know, of uh, not letting myself get in the way of what I want to do, right? And then other external challenges that we had. Uh, one was for me personally was uh, family that really wanted me to go and you know explore opportunities abroad and in other countries and all that. Um, and I'm sure they had all the right reasons. I'm not blaming any of them for it because I think generally your family only wants this for the best of for the best for you and uh, that's absolutely what they wanted as well uh, but sometimes you know it's difficult for them to understand uh, what's uh, emotionally going on with us and uh, kind of what dreams we really aspire to achieve and stuff like that uh, but I don't think they should be blamed for that it just it's just that as individuals we need to understand that you know uh, with time they will realize what we were trying to go for Right. So that was one of the challenges I faced. Uh, then the next that I think was the biggest challenge was for me, um, you know, in, a, in an industry like training and development, uh, when you are a young chap who has a very limited amount of experience, right? And uh, I, I, I didn't really have a certified trainer recognition at that time and stuff like that. So I hadn't certified myself as a trainer either. So one of the challenges I faced is in trying to get organizations to understand and agree that uh, this is an approach that will work. So we really had to, you know, um, present, uh, do free sessions, show them the potential that it had, and then get them to go for paid, uh, paid sessions and stuff like that. And that's how we uh, kind of had to prove ourselves and, uh, you know, get our work recognized. And once you had a few big names trying you out and seeing results, then it's a matter of uh, time when word gets out and, uh, you know, uh, everyone wants to uh, experience what you deliver. So those were some of the uh, key challenges that I faced. And then after that, once the pandemic hit, the whole market shift, I think uh, everyone went through this phase of challenges. And I think the, the challenges that came with the pandemic is something that we faced as well. And after that is where we have started focusing on delivering individual programs as well, which is rolling out very soon. So the website is kind of getting done in line with that and it will be ready soon. I'm just going to jump into a kind of an additional question, right? So uh, the thing is, like, you know, with this pandemic, right, you know, there's a lot of uh, different industries that have been hit, right? For example, uh, uh, the hotel industry is, yeah, which is visibly hit. And then, you know, the, there's a like visible effect of it, right? People are not coming in. So they have a like really bad time. So likewise, when you are in like, you know, this kind of a pandemic, right? So a normal training session for a company is kind of put at a lower priority, right? Rather than when, when you are operating at normal capacity. So that's something I just want to get an idea. Like, did you have a like effect on it? Like on a very negative level? Absolutely. We had a, we had a lot of issues with that. And uh, uh, so that is that was one of the reasons which triggered us to pivot and kind of move out beyond Sri Lanka and look at Russia. And because primarily because my wife is Russian is why we picked the Russian market because uh, it, just gives us much more accessibility into the market than wanting to step into any other market, right? Well, uh, the thing is that even while we were in Sri Lanka, we had conducted trainings in Maldives. We had worked with Singaporean companies. Uh, I had done a couple of trainings for India and stuff. But what happened was once the pandemic hit, right? Uh, you know, um, Sri Lanka, India, these are both price-sensitive markets, right? 
And the first thing that happened was, like you rightly mentioned, trainings got scrapped off the list. Everyone that had scheduled trainings with us called us back saying, Akam, this is not going to happen at the moment because it's right now we are cutting costs on everything. So, sorry, we will have to relook at this once the situation eases, well, which is still not happening, but that's what it is. And once all that started happening, we were looking at what we can do to kind of, uh, you know, adapt our business and kind of, uh, you know, what what kind of pivot strategy could we use at this moment. And, uh, you know, we were all hitting dead ends because the thing is that in Sri Lanka, they weren't really interested in doing kind of micro learning stuff. Big companies were, right? Like companies like MAS, companies like Virtus uh, and all were probably doing uh, trainings with including micro learning experiences, video based recorded stuff and things like that, right? Uh, but then a lot of these were done through already existing training resources that they had within the organizations, right? And not really uh, working with external, you know, f- facilitators or external uh, training service providers per se. So then, but we were thinking, ah, what are we going to do at this situation? How are we going to overcome this? And is when we actually looked at uh, international markets as an option. And since Russia was easily accessible for us, we decided that, okay, let's take this time. Let's step in here. Let's uh, see what we can uh, do in this market. And specifically, one of the things that, that really caught us in this particular market here in Russia is we are not based in Moscow, right? So uh, now in Russia, the market opportunity we saw was the fact that now uh, internationally oriented businesses in Russia, which are many now, many businesses in Russia are really going international, right? And as you know, Russia is a very booming market at the moment and they're going international. But the issue is that a lot of the skills and soft skills that is required in order to more efficiently and effectively access these international markets isn't with among the workforce that is uh, working with these international markets. So there is a huge gap. English language-based learning delivery for businesses that are working with international organizations or international uh, countries so that that kind of motivated us to want to step in here and now we've come in we are slowly building associations with different organizations and different companies and gradually working our way towards it and in between that we are trying and experimenting different options also we are trying to work with universities here and deliver some interesting programs with them and we're working with some other uh, individual organizations here and trying to see what can be done so it's a it's a trial and error pro- error process but uh, that's what we are doing at the moment and uh, the other other way that we are trying to come out uh, kind of overcome this particular challenge that we are facing is by also uh, designing some of these programs to be delivered at an individual level their companies don't buy it but individuals who believe that they need these skills can talk to us and then we deliver these programs for small groups or even on an individual level. Okay, so that's an interesting approach as well. And then, of course, like we have to adapt and then, you know, move forward, uh, you know, when challenges arise, right? We stay with uh, one option or one opportunity, then uh, you will kind of like le- be left behind, like you mentioned uh, at the like start of our conversation. Yeah, true that. So speaking about all these challenges and, you know, your experience so far, right? 
what kind of uh, advice would you like to give uh, someone who is starting up in this uh, area well uh, for someone who is starting up in the industry of training and development or in general like uh, into any career you know the first thing that i would uh, share is that do get into it only if you are really like you know passionate about working in this industry right now yes there is money to be made and uh, there is fame to be gained but uh, if you do it for those reasons you will very soon kind of run out of energy or interest to really continue doing it if you want to get into training and development uh, look at what skills and capacity is really necessary and uh, look at which areas of skills you might have to improve in yourself to get into this particular field of work and ideally what i would say is uh, maybe intern or maybe you know join a training and development company uh, spend at least a year working with uh, some professionals who are in this industry get a feel of how things are done and then you will know how you need to bring your own spin into it because you see such a one of the things i want to really mention is that with this uh, you know this huge uh, kind of advice going on with everyone trying to be a entrepreneur right everyone being a serial entrepreneur and believing that you can achieve a lot of things by yourself i think it's deluding a lot of young people right i am not discrediting them saying that they can't do something themselves uh, maybe there's a small percentage of them that can start off today hit a epic product or a epic solution and then succeed from 18 19 years old and and build something to be great but the truth is that there's around 90% who are going to look at that kind of example and think that that's the only way forward and they i have noticed so many young people who actually don't want to work for someone they're like oh no i don't want to work for someone i'm going to do something on my own look to do something on your own you really need to know what's going on in the business world right where are you going to gain that experience from so what i think is that it's important it's absolutely important that if you want to get into an industry spend a small amount of time at least 6 to 6 months to 1 year working with someone who is in that industry who has the experience maybe they are not doing it great but that's what will teach you how to not do it great and then you will know what you need to do right so the problem is that if you don't go and look at what's being done you will also go and create something that you think is right but might not be the right product fit to the market so i would uh, suggest spend that time to learn and develop those skills necessary and don't ever be put off with anyone telling that you don't have enough experience because i think we all begin without any experience if someone is telling you that you don't have enough experience you know continue you know you go out look for the client who would be at least willing to give you a chance to do it free i think i did more than 10 gigs free before i got the first paid session and uh, if you really want to build something that's the way forward but uh, before i got into doing something on my own i spent almost five and a half years working for different companies and different people and that's how i learned you know that some of the trainings and all being delivered that they are not really done effectively they can be done better 
and all that yeah that's some uh, good advice akam uh, because it's good that if you have a like really great idea and if you know how to do it uh, get it done uh, and you know uh, get it out to the market and you know kind of uh, achieve everything right but then uh, the chances are like if you don't know how the world works it's better like you know you go ahead and you know learn it before you execute your idea right absolutely absolutely i mean we can go on for another whole hour sachi talking about this particular topic because i work with different startups and entrepreneurs also and the issue is that you know a lot of them let's say they go for some startup accelerator program they get uh, you know listed they get shortlisted that they win and let's say some angel investor comes forward and is interested in investing they believe that uh, you know that is kind of the benchmark of what achievement is right but the truth is is that you need to understand that when an angel investor wants to put money into something and wants to take stake it's not because they love you or the idea it's because they they love the fact that there is potential for money to be made right and the thing is that what a lot of young people lack is that corporate shrewdness sometimes that's important to grow as a business person right and you can go and look at many startups and their uh, histories and talk to the founders and they'll all tell you that yes it would have been very helpful for them to have some practical business experience to be to have known how to navigate those situations right to not dance to every move of the dollar and uh, kind of uh, bend over and give way to what other people wanted but to rather protect your idea because i have seen so many great ideas get washed away after actually being acquired by people so uh, i think for young people to actually have the uh, you know right experiences before they build something is also very important and that shouldn't be discredited okay, that's a really good advice there actually i think we are coming to the last section of the questions just share us on a like maybe on a high level what is your next target well uh, personally for me i want to gain more popularity among the international market and probably within the end of this year work with minimum another 100 international clients that's the target and probably in the next 5 years in this region where i am based right now which is let's say the cis region uh, i want to make sure that uh, within the next 5 years that i am a sort of the name for a trainer who conducts international standard soft skills and essential business skills trainings that's really nice and then uh, i do wish you all the best to achieve it and then uh, you know we can talk about specific topics maybe in a different session absolutely absolutely yeah so i know i would like to take this time to like you know thank you for joining us today akam it was a pleasure sachi thank you very much let's connect back on a se- another session where we talk about uh, something specific like you know how how to approach a learning uh, program or something uh, uh, along the lines and then uh, let's uh, you know go into a bit more detailed uh, discussion right yeah definitely definitely learning creativity branding marketing there are various different uh, angles that i can add value in and yeah i am open to it let me know it will be a pleasure to join you again all right that's great uh, akam so i think like let's conclude our session for today and thank you so much once again uh, for joining and you know spending your time sharing your experiences and it was a really interesting discussion as well uh, so thank you so much akam thank you sachi thank you great pleasure thank you for joining us today to explore how creative people think join me in the next episode to explore more till then stay safe and take care